first through sixth graders will meet at the food pantry after the youth moment, and they are to bring something to donate so that they can understand just what the food pantry is and feel that they are a part of it. The harvest dinner for Thursday, October 22nd, it will be carry out only. There will be no need to bake for that. We're going to take donations to purchase pies. We're going to keep it simple for people to choose between an apple or pumpkin pie. So we'll take donations for pies. I'll always take donations of baked goods, <laughs> though. I mean, somebody really wants to bake. And regarding the harvest dinner, tomorrow, Lucy Tressler and I will be here cooking the squash for the harvest dinner. We cook it and freeze it ahead. Any who want to come, please do bring your pressure cookers. I got a new Instapot for my birthday, Ooh. so I get to use it. Also, after the service today, they will be selling ice cream that was left over at $2 a container and hamburg patties, eight for six. So please come and purchase some. Oh, and baked goods that are left from all the bake sales, they are in the freeze. They'll be here also for purchase. And I believe that's it. Do we have any other announcements? Going once, twice, twice. sold. Cool. All right, did you have one? Oh, okay. Ah. All right, well, we are going to get started with our worship service, and if you would turn to your bulletins. Please join us for the call to worship. God has forgiven us and drawn us close. Reconciling us through Jesus Christ. Who has lavished upon us the fullness of the blessed Holy Spirit. With glad and grateful hearts, praise the Lord. Please join us in the opening hymn from All That Dwells Below the Skies, number 101 in your hymnal. Oh, 
All right, if you would join together with me in our opening prayer. Lord Jesus, Son of God, your blessings know no boundaries that faith cannot cross. Strengthen us to trust in your mercy, reach out for your healing, and receive your reconciliation. Amen. We'll continue with hymn number 140, Great is Thy Faithfulness. would please join together with me aloud in our prayer of illumination. Merciful Savior, your suffering has saved our lives, secured our future, and restored us to relationship with God. Remove the shame and fear that cause us to cower in your presence. By the power of your spirit, open our eyes and hearts to your word of love mercy, healing, and blessing, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Our first scripture reading this morning is Genesis 45, 1 through 15 in the NRSV. Joseph reveals himself to his brothers. 
Then Joseph could no longer control himself before all those who stood by him, and he cried out, Send everyone away from me. So no one stayed with him when Joseph made himself known to his brothers. And he wept so loudly that the Egyptian heard it, and the household of Pharaoh heard it. Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still alive? But his brothers could not answer him, so dismayed were they at his presence. Then Joseph said to his brothers, Come closer to me, and they came closer. He said, I am your brother Joseph, whom you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed or angry with yourselves, because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. For the famine has been in the land these two years. And there are five more years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvest. God sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to keep alive for you many survivors. So it was not you who sent me here, but God. He has made me a father to Pharaoh and a lord to all his house and a ruler over all the land of Egypt. Hurry and go up to my father and say to him, Thus says your Lord, your son Joseph, God has made me Lord of all Egypt. Come down to me, do not delay. You shall settle in the land of Goshen, and you shall be near me, you and your children and your children's children, as well as your flocks, your herds, and all that you have. I will provide for you there, since there are five more years of famine to come, so that you and your household and all that you have will not come to poverty. And now your eyes and the eyes of my brother Gen Benjamin see that it is my own mouth that speaks to you. You must tell my father how greatly I am honored in Egypt and all that you have seen. Hurry and bring my father down here. Then he fell upon his brother Benjamin's neck and wept, while Benjamin wept upon his neck. And he kissed all his brothers and wept upon them. And after that, his brothers talked with him. The word of God for the people of God, and you say, Thanks, Thanks be to God. God. Beloved children of God, Christ has provided for us from his own table of blessings. Anointing and abundance overflows. Let us offer our gifts together from the bounty he has given. We will now collect our offering. Shine of his face. 
If you would please join me in singing our doxology number 95 in your hymnal. Gracious Lord, you have given us more mercy than we could imagine and more blessings than we deserve. Receive now these gifts as tokens of our gratitude to you, that your mercy may be multiplied and your blessings abound to embrace all of those in need. Amen. I invite you now to a time and an attitude of prayer. This morning, as you can see in your bulletin, uh, we have some prayer concerns, continued prayers for Abigail. Um, as well as her family who are going through a difficult time. Prayers still for Nancy Martin, whose cancer is back and will not be seeking treatment. Um, she does always appreciate cards and prayers, of course, but no visitors. Uh, continued prayers for Jody Williams and her family after the passing of Al. Bob Gieske's brother-in-law, Dick, is in the hospital with heart issues. Uh, Chloe Quig, Diana's granddaughter, undergoing tests for a medical issue. Sue Reese's friend, Beth Hall, who is one of the elementary teachers at Clinton Elementary, has had to take a leave of absence from teaching in her battle against cancer. Uh, Alice Wimple's daughter, Krista, is asking for prayers for a good friend of hers, Dee Dee, who has a tumor on her brain and her lungs. Leticia Waltz, the daughter-in-law of Roger, and Linda Waltz is in the ICU uh, with a blood clot in her lungs. Uh, Luis's son, Alan, uh, was home recovering from his uh, kidney and gallbladder issues, but he is now back in the hospital uh, with uh, additional pain in his kidneys, so they are giving him uh, some additional medication. We pray for him to get better soon. Ginny Marsh's daughter, who passed away from a blood clot. Kara Mayfield, the daughter of Alice Gill's best friend, Mary, uh, has had mastectomy surgery. Larry Sanford, who has suffered a stroke. Mary Rushlaw, who was admitted to U of M Hospital because of an abscessed tooth. The Kusmal family is asking for prayers of comfort after Ray passed away in the beginning of this month. Carol Tapp's husband had a heart attack and is at the Toledo, Ho Toledo Hospital. Oh, he's home. Oh, thank goodness. Okay, so uh, his, he is home, so continue prayers for his healing. Uh, Ryan and Lori Young, uh, who had their motorcycle accident uh, with very severe injuries, prayers for their continued healings. Sue Hartag, uh, who started a new chemo drug, we're praying that her body will be able to tolerate it and continue to heal um, and keep the cancer at bay. Um, so we lift all of those, uh, as well as all the other things that may be on our hearts and minds this morning, if you would join me in an attitude of prayer. Holy God, we, your children, come before you this day, carrying with us our prayers of joys as well as those that weigh heavily upon us and keep us up in the night. We give you thanks for the many blessings you bestow upon us, the opportunities to gather and worship safely through our drive-in service. We thank you for this beautiful weather today. We thank you for the birthdays and anniversaries that many of us are celebrating and we give you thanks for never abandoning us, for always being faithful to us, even when we are not always faithful to you. But Lord, you taught us to bring everything to you in prayer, so we also lift to you those things that are weighing heavily upon our hearts and minds. Our country and our world are in the middle of a pandemic. We pray for health and safety for everyone. 
We pray for all of those who work in our healthcare and healing industries as they work to combat this horrible virus, as well as heal us from other things like cancer and illness and injury. Whatever may be holding us down, physical, emotional, or mental, Lord, we ask that you would continue to guide the hands and efforts of all of those people who are working so diligently, our doctors and nurses, our surgeons, our lab technicians, research scientists, and so many others who are working so hard to heal us and keep us healthy. We also pray for all of those who work so hard to keep us safe in our world. We give you thanks and ask that you would watch over all of those who serve in our military and armed forces, our police, uh, police and firefighters, um, our first responders, our crossing guards, everyone, our EMTs, all of the people who work so hard in many different ways to help us be safe in our lives. We lift them to you. And we ask that you would guide them in their thoughts and actions and all that they do. We ask that you would keep them safe and strong. And Lord, for those who are so far away from us right now, we ask that they might find a way to come home soon and we could begin to see an end of conflict in this world. We lift to you our nation and all the nations of the world as we are full of conflict. There are people dying, there are people fighting, there is injustice around this globe, and God, we ask for your intervention. But not just that we would sit back and wait for your work, but that you would work through us. Help us to work for peace, for the betterment of all humanity and creation, not just a select few. We ask that you would touch the hearts and minds of not only the leaders of the nations, but of every citizen around this globe, that we might come together under your peace, mercy, grace, and love to work together as your beloved children. All of this, as well as those things we keep on our hearts and minds quietly today, we lift to you in the name of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, we are going to have our youth moment, and as we invite our youth and children to come forward, please turn to hymn number 277 for the first and possibly second verses of uh, Tell Me the Stories of Jesus. How are you guys doing today? Everybody awake? Wait. All right, now how's everybody doing? Good? Everybody awake? No, we're still asleep? Maybe? Somewhere in there? Okay. All right. All right, so do you guys know about prayer? Yeah. You, guys, you guys know some prayers, don't you? Do you guys say prayers before bed sometimes? Or maybe before you eat a meal? What about, yeah? Ooh, I like that. Yeah? 
Oh, okay. Yeah, just sit down. All right, so I want to show you guys something. Now, normally, a lot of times when we pray, we, we always tell everybody to fold their hands, right? Kind of like this. But did you know that that's not, you don't always have to do that when you pray. You can, you can fold your hands. It's a good practice because it helps you focus. But that's not the only thing. You can keep your hands to your sides. You can put them over your heart. You can do lots of different stuff. Um, you could blow bubbles while you pray, I suppose. Um, have you guys ever seen one of these? What is it? It's a nope. This is called prayer beads. Okay? Now, in the Catholic Church, they have something that looks kind of like this. No, we don't eat this. Okay. In the Catholic Church, they have something that looks a lot like this, they call a rosary. And they use it for some of their prayers. This is what we have in what we call the Protestant churches, which is like our church and the Lutherans and some other ones. But you can use this when you pray to help you stay focused. And when you're struggling to come up with the right words for God, this can help sometimes. And I made this set, and I keep it with me so that when I need to pray and focus, I can use it. And what I'm going to try and do over the next couple weeks is we're gonna, I'm gonna teach you guys how to use one of these and maybe see if we can even make a set for everybody. How cool would that be? Okay, and you can make them with all different colors. Um, mine are made of stone. You can make them out of wood or all kinds of other stuff. So um, over the next couple weeks, I'm gonna teach you guys all the cool stuff you can do with this and then you can carry them with you wherever you go. I have a little clip on mine and I carry them with me just like that. So I always have them with me. Okay? Does that sound good? Do you guys want to try that? Okay. All right. One more thing before I let you guys go to Sunday school. What? Okay. You do that. What? What? Yes, when this is done. All right, here's what I need you guys to do. We need to do the Lord's Prayer. And remember, sometimes the adults forget the words. So can you guys help me lead them so they don't forget the words? Can you do the repeat after me? All right, ready? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Awesome. You guys rock. And we have some suckers up here hiding somewhere in a basket. Um, and so what we're going to do is you guys each can have a sucker, and then you're going to go to your Sunday school classes. We have... Our Sunday school teachers hanging out over here to take you to your uh, special areas for Sunday school. Okay, go find your Sunday school teacher. Yes. All right.
Let us confess our sins now without fear to the one who yearns to embrace us, forgive us, protect us, and bless us. If you would please join me aloud in our prayer of confession. Have mercy on us, Lord Jesus. We are tormented. Our lives have been disrupted by the devil and by our own devilish desires and evil exploits. We are dismayed at your presence, anguished by the awful fallout of our own failures. We cannot take back what we have said or undo what we have done or atone for the agony we have caused. We are haunted by the past, plagued by the present, and fearful of the future. We shrink away from your gaze as strangers outside your circle of blessing. Yet the faith you have planted in us reaches out for your favor, returns to your presence, and hungers for your mercy. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Please take a few moments for silent prayer and confession. Beloved children of God, our God kisses us with kindness, forgiving our sins, preserving our lives, and restoring our souls through the abundant provision of our Lord Jesus Christ. Receive now that for which faith has hungered. You are forgiven and healed in the name of Jesus the Christ. Amen. If you would join me in our affirmation of faith, we are using the Nicene Creed this morning, found on page 880 in your hymnals. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of one being with the Father. Through him all things were made. For us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven, was incarnate of the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary, and became truly human. For our sake, he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day, he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son is worshiped and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. We believe in the one holy, universal, and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Our second scripture reading today is Matthew 15, 10 through 28 in the NRSV, Things That Defile. Then he called the crowd to him and said to them, Listen and understand. It is not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person, but it is what comes out of the mouth that defiles. Then the disciples approached and said to him, Do you know that the Pharisees took offense when they heard what you said? He answered, Every plant that my heavenly Father has not planted will be uprooted. Let them alone. They are blind guides of the blind. And if one blind person guides another, both will fall into a pit. But Peter said to him, Explain this parable to us. Then he said, 
Are you also still without understanding? Do you not see that whatever goes into the mouth enters the stomach and goes out into the sewer? But what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart, and this is what defiles. For out of the heart come evil intentions, murder, adultery, fornication, theft, false witness, slander. These are what defile a person, but to eat with unwashed hands does not defile. The Canaanite woman's faith. Jesus left that place and went away to the district of Tyre and Sidon. Just then a Canaanite woman from that region came out and started shouting, Have mercy on me, Lord, son of David. My daughter is tormented by a demon. But he did not answer her at all. And his disciples came and urged him, saying, Send her away, for she kept shouting after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and knelt before him, saying, Lord, help me. He answered, It is not fair to take the children's food and throw it to the dogs. She said, Yes, Lord, yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered her, Woman, great is your faith. Let it be done for you as you wish. And her daughter was healed instantly. The Gospel of the Lord, and you say, Praise to you, Lord, Lord Jesus, Jesus Christ. Christ. Our next hymn is number 660, God is Here.
Our third scripture reading for this morning comes from the book of Romans, chapter 11, verses 1 through 2a, which means the first half of verse 2, and then continues at verses 29 through 32. The beginning of this section is titled, Israel's Rejection is Not Final. Ask, or I ask then, has God rejected his people? By no means. I myself am an Israelite, a descendant of Abraham, a member of the tribe of Benjamin. God has not rejected his people whom he foreknew. For the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. Just as you were once disobedient to God, but have now received mercy because of their disobedience, so they have now been disobedient in order that, by the mercy shown to you, they too may now receive mercy. For God has imprisoned all in disobedience so that he may be merciful to all. This is the word of God for the people of God. And you respond, thanks be to God. If you would please join me again in an attitude of prayer. With open arms, you welcome all who call on your name, who acknowledge you as Lord and look to you in faith. No one stands outside the circle of your mercy and love. And so we come to offer you our worship, to declare that you are our God and that we are your people, called and chosen by you from the very beginning. Through the presence of your Holy Spirit, open our eyes to see you here. Open our minds to receive your truth and open our mouths to speak and sing your praise. For you alone are God, worthy of all praise and worship, now and to the end of time. And now may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts together in this place be pleasing in your sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, this morning we are finishing our September sermon series, Broken, Good News for Tough Times. Throughout this series, we have been focusing on the book of Romans, specifically the 8th, 9th, 10th, and 11th chapters. The book of Romans is a letter from the Apostle Paul to the church in Rome, a faith community that he had never met, but one that he was trying to offer encouragement to and help kind of build them up. Paul even dreamed of one day visiting this faith community. But Paul also knew that the life of Christians at this time in history was often a perilous one, as the world around them was becoming more diverse and more unpredictable. Well, heads up, God is on a mission. God has a plan. Now, if we're honest, we may kind of screw that up sometimes or slow it down. We're human, we make mistakes, but God still works through it all and God still accomplishes God's plan. Despite our errors or our own challenges, we cannot stop God or God's plan. As I talked about in previous weeks, God calls a people as God chooses them. Then they become disobedient, but God saves them anyway. God's people are taken captive, but once again, they are freed. So God gives the chosen people the law, all the while knowing that the people are going to fail to obey that law. God then sends judges and prophets, but the people still obey the law given to them. They continue to break their end of the covenant that they have entered into with God. So then... God sends the Christ, the very rock of salvation, hewn out of God's own people. But God's chosen people reject Jesus. And this, even this rejection of the way of salvation, God still uses so that Gentiles may be grafted into the plan of God's salvation. God widens the circle to include more people than just the group whom God chose to begin with. Yes, without question, God has a purpose and a plan. Without any doubt, God is in control. Now, in the midst of a global pandemic, many of us might be questioning just what 
God's plan is in this moment in time. People are asking why God would allow something like this to happen. What possible plan could God have for this time in history that a global pandemic had to happen? There are some who believe that God caused this pandemic, that God's plan was to punish us through this pandemic. There are, are others that argue that this pandemic is a test of our faith in God. We'll come back to that in a few moments, though. As we have navigated this series on Paul's letter to the Romans, we have seen how God repairs the brokenness in our own souls through the grace and unwavering, inseparable love of God. We have seen through this series how God overcomes that brokenness in human relationships and how God unites us in Christ as chosen and beloved children. We have to remember that God's plan is restoration and wholeness. And we can see how Paul trusts in that plan as he sorts through the frustrating divisions between the Jews and the Gentiles. We can see how Paul trusts in this as he sorts through the law and God's grace. We can see how Paul trusts in this as he waxes poetic about spirit and flesh, labor pains, height and depth, and even chosenness. From Paul's point of view, the rebellion of all creation is purposed and used by God so that God might then show mercy to creation. God uses the salvation of the Gentiles to inspire jealousy in the hearts of the chosen ones, according to Paul. So you can see the mercy of our God and how it extends to all people, right? Even this truth is a part of the plan of God. You know, I get that it can be difficult to talk about God's plan or admitting and owning that it is God and not us that is in control. I really do understand that. I get it. Especially since we are not often fully aware of what the entire plan is and at even some points what any of the plan is. We are not in the driver's seat. And I understand that it's very ironic that I just said that to a group of people sitting in their cars at the moment. But we are not in the driver's seat and that is hard for us as humans to accept. We like to be in control or at least think we're in control. Another part of the reason that this can be difficult is because we still see so much brokenness in our world. And seeing that brokenness often leads people to ask questions like, if God is in control, then why do people kill one another in the streets? They ask questions like, why do some people have more than enough while others languish in poverty, starvation, and homelessness? We might even find ourselves pondering why do I lose the people that I love? And why, oh why, does there seem to be no end to my grief and suffering? Those are real questions that real people struggle with. I know that I have in points in my own life struggled with such questions. and I'd be willing to guess that most of you, if not all of you, have struggled either with those same questions or very similar ones. Unfortunately, questions like those are some of life's unanswerable questions very often. We can speculate on different rationalizations, but the truth is that we don't really have concrete answers for all of those questions. Despite what remains broken though, we can trust that God is still on a mission and we can still trust that God is working all things for good. We can trust that God is still working for healing, that God is still working for restoration. And that, my friends, is grace. God being on a mission, God working for all things good, God working for healing and restoration, all of those things are part of God's love and grace for God's creation. And I get it. I understand the struggles and the challenges that we are all hindered with. I share those same struggles with you. 
just because I'm a pastor does not somehow exempt me from asking some of those same questions, wrestling with the brokenness of myself and of this world. After all, the ways of God are often mysterious. Plus, if we're honest, the arc of human history has bent in ways that may seem to directly defy God's goodness. But we must remember that God's purpose is mercy and God's method is grace. And part of the good news is that we, God's creation, are invited to participate in God's mission of restoration. That's right, we are called to join God in the mission of restoration. We have been invited to work with God, alongside God, to help heal broken places. And there are a lot of broken places. From broken people, to broken relationships, to broken hearts, and so much more. There is a lot of brokenness in our world that needs to be healed, and God has called us to help. And while our, our health regulations and safety standards right now might make it seem like it's harder or even impossible in some cases to help in that healing, there are opportunities. The Holy Spirit is always moving and opening opportunities to us. Some of those opportunities may scare us. Some we may miss completely, distracted by other things going on in our lives and in the world. And some are very clear and easy for us to see and engage with. I think one of the biggest examples of, of feelings of brokenness right now for so many is the apparent fracturing of our faith communities. We're not able to join together for worship in our sanctuary right now. We have to stay six feet apart. We're, we're staying within our cars to keep everyone safe and healthy. We're not able to have our big sit-down meals together. And remember, we're Methodist. If food's not involved, it's not an official Methodist meeting. There is so much that we are not able to do right now that I think we hold as part of our identity as Christians and members of our churches. And I see those feelings of brokenness. I am feeling those feelings of brokenness right with you. But there are still things we can do, and many of you are already doing them. We can call one another and catch up with our friends that maybe we haven't seen in a long time. We can send cards, we can write letters, send emails, write text messages. I think if we can work to rebuild our sense of community with our loved ones, with our friends, our beloved children of God, that can go a long way in helping us to heal some of that brokenness that we are experiencing right now in the midst of a pandemic. Now, I said that earlier that some people see this pandemic as a way that God is punishing us or is using it as a way to test our faith. And everyone's going to have a different opinion, a different perspective based on their own life experiences and how they understand God and how they understand different things within faith. What I can tell you is that I do not believe that God caused this pandemic, but I do believe that God will use this pandemic. And I believe that God already has been using this pandemic. The amount of creativity and outreach that I have seen within just this congregation, but also across our denomination, other denominations, is astounding. There are still outreach programs happening. We are still feeding people. We are still helping people. Maybe not face-to-face -face or as close as we're used to, but we are still helping in healing that brokenness, working in that restoration. God will always find a way. When I look at the bad things that happen in the world, I am reminded that as humans, we have free will. And unfortunately, we do stupid things. We do hurtful things, but we are human. We are imperfect. But even in the midst of some of those awful things, those things that make us go, why, oh, why is this happening? God still finds a way 
to use that to help us and all of creation to grow in our understanding of God, to grow in our love of God, love of our neighbor, and to help us heal in that brokenness. It's not always going to be crystal clear. The plan is sometimes not for us to know, but I promise you it is there, and God walks beside us every step of the way. So as we close this series, I'd like to to challenge you all. I want to ask you a question that I hope you will carry with you not only this week, but much further beyond. It's a question that I will admit is not always easy to answer right away. You may need some time to think through it and discern how you would answer such a question, and that's totally fine. But it's a question that I think we have to ask ourselves over and over again if we are to take that invitation from God to the mission of restoration. And that question is this. How then do we respond to God's invitation to participate in God's mission of restoration with our lives? That is a very big question. Again, I know many of you are already involved in things that I think would answer that question. But I think it's a bigger question that we all need to continually be thinking through in all that we do. But I want you to also hear these words and hold them in your heart. It doesn't matter how old or young you are. It doesn't matter how rich or poor you are. It doesn't matter how physically strong or weak you are. It doesn't matter your mental capacity, your social standing in the world. All of those boxes and ways we try to divide ourselves, none of that matters because every single person, every beloved child of God has been invited by God to participate in this mission of restoration and healing the brokenness of the world. And God does not call the equipped, but God equips those that God calls. Brothers and sisters, beloved children of God, there is a mission before us. We are already in that mission. We have work to continue to do, and we have a God that loves us and gives us grace. We need to trust in our God and continue in that work. Amen. Our closing hymn will be number 181, Ye Servants of God. Yeah.
beloved children of God, the God who forgives, reconciles, heals, and blesses is with you today and forevermore. The gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. God has gifted you with forgiveness and graced you with reconciliation. Go now and share God's gifts with the distressed and the estranged. God has called you close to him and healed you from torment. Go now and call others to receive Christ's mercy and healing. Go in peace and serve the Lord. Amen.